Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode where today I'm going to be joined by my guest, Kevin Bailey, aka Bear. And Kevin's going to talk to us about his journey from from victim to warrior and from warrior to spiritual warrior. Interesting title, Kev. So first of all, very warm welcome. Thank you very much, Paul. Glad Um, to be here. Right. Victim to warrior to spiritual warrior. Enlighten us. Okay. Best start out at the beginning then, eh? Um, as a child, I feel I was probably quite spiritual. I used to like hanging around in nature, um, doing pro- school projects about nature, stuff like that. Um, but unfortunately, I got bullied at school in the UK um, by a particular bully in the UK. And then again, we my parents immigrated to South Africa and I got bullied over there as well. Um, by a young lad that used to live in the same block of flats as us. My parents came back and decided that they wanted to go and live in Plymouth down near the sea, which was all rather nice. However, they enrolled me in an all-boys school in Plymouth, and I thought, hmm, I'm not going to get bullied here. So I became the school nutter. (laughs) Um, I wasn't fighting and things like that, but I would do lots of stupid things like... In chemistry, they taught us how to make chlorine gas in a fume cupboard. So in a dinner time, I'd go and make chlorine gas, but leave the fume cupboard door open. So we had to evacuate the school. On a Friday afternoon, I used to get paid a bit of money, a bit of a collection go round, and I used to go in a chemical lab and pour potassium or sodium down the sink, which, as people might know, as it hits water, it catches light. And so the fire brigade would have to come and we go home early on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. So how old was you when you was doing this, Kev? Um, I was probably between 12 and 16. Right. Um, but the problem was my dad was an ex-military policeman. Right. And so the more he got called down to the school, the more the punishments got harsher and harsher. And sometimes it was for stuff out of school as well. And in the end, one day we came to blows and our relationship deteriorated to zero. He actually, although he denied it, he actually asked me to leave home and I ended up going back up to live with my gran in London or in Hertfordshire anyway. Um, She turned out to be a bit of a mental health case as well because we found out that she was a bit schizophrenic and I'd met a colleague who was of Asian persuasion and also because of her time and um, being racist and all that sort of thing and being bigger. She used to be really nice to him when he was in the house, but when he left and went home, she used to call him all sorts of names. And in the end, I just got fed up with it. So I decided to leave my grands and I moved in with my friend and colleague with his Asian family for a bit. And then ended up moving in with his sister and her husband, 
because we were living with his mother and she couldn't really cope until I joined the army. Now, I tried to join the army in Plymouth to get away from family circumstances, but at the time I was offered the infantry and I didn't fancy being cannon fodder. I wanted to learn a trade. So I tried again when I was 17 and a half, which got me into adult service, and I managed to get in as a vehicle mechanic. But obviously, if you're joining the army, you have to be a soldier first. So they taught me how to channel my aggressions and stuff like that into becoming what they wanted me to become. It also instilled in me a sense of duty, how to overcome things, how to resolve issues and get around things. And it gave me a good basic foundation for what was to come. After 12 and a half years, I realised that my army career wasn't really working out. I'd been in Germany for about seven years where beer and cigarettes and stuff were fairly cheap, so I'd abused myself quite a lot. So I decided that I would leave the army and take up a job in Civvy Street. So I became a sales rep and then eventually a sales manager for a packaging company. But in the meantime, I'd taken up martial arts. Um, it was to get me fit because I'd put on quite a bit of weight. It was I'd always been interested in martial arts and I've always been quite keen on the spiritual side of martial arts. Mm. So after a couple of years of really enjoying it and applying myself, I ended up becoming an instructor and a black belt second degree. I then moved and got promoted to the Midlands from Hertfordshire and for whatever reason the job kind of didn't go the way we expected it to and we ended up parting company but in the meantime my dad who I'd really re replenished the the, the uh, relationship repaired it had got ill on the way to Plymouth as he was going back down to see my sister ended up in intensive care with septicemia for a couple of months and then we had to turn the machine off right now, I thought I had to put a brave face on my, for my mother and sisters and not show my emotions and things like that. And the army kind of tells you, keeps you that way as well and stops you releasing your emotions because it's not a done thing for a bloke, is it? Um, Big boys don't cry. Correct, yes. So all of this got me quite angry that I just repaired the relationship and then he died. And then I was also running a pub at the time and I was having a bit of a problem keeping out the powder your nose brigade and some of the village idiots. And that was winding me up quite a lot and making me even angrier. But obviously, again, I can't you can't go around thumping people. So I was kind of trying to do it in a diplomatic way of getting rid of these guys. But all this anger and that was building up. And because of my martial arts, I knew about meditation and I tried it a few times and probably didn't do very well at it because I didn't really know what I was doing but I knew that it could help you to calm down and stuff yeah. so then I had a series of incidences coincidences whatever you want to call them and I know now that they're never coincidences yeah. they happen for a reason yeah but I wouldn't read book reviews in the paper and I certainly wouldn't have read Lorna Burns Angels in Your Hair and I did and I said to my ex-wife at the time she was going into town would you please get me that book well she gave me a look that meant you ought to go to psychiatric unit straight away 
Um, but she did get me the book and I read it and it had quite a profound effect on me. There was some quite emotional bits in there that triggered stuff in me. And so I had a chance in inverted commas conversation with somebody in a pub who said, oh, I know a bloke and come down and sort you out. Now, up until this point, I had poo-pooed, sat on the fence with anything spiritual, and I didn't really believe in it. I thought it was a complete crock. Anyway, this guy come down, and he was a medium. And while the pub was shut, we were in the back room, and apparently there was me, him, and my dead dad, all in the same room, and we were all crying because of the emotional stuff that was going on, and the things that my dad was telling the medium to relay to me. Um, I tried to go to him for his meditation group, but he was too far away in Mansfield for me to be able to leave the pub for that amount of time. So then I had another conversation with another customer in the pub. He says, oh, my friend goes to a place just down the road. Um, I was living in Draycott at the time, and this place is in Sawley. So I went down to this lady and on a Thursday night she had like a bit of a spiritual gathering. Some of it was meditation and then talking about spiritual stuff. And I just kind of went for the meditation but rolled my eyes at the rest of it, not really believing it. But after about two or three weeks, I started to see things and feel things. And I could start to see people's auras and stuff like that. And I thought, ooh. Okay, maybe I've been a bit stupid here. Maybe there is a bit more to what goes on around us than I originally thought. But anyway, after a period of about six months, I decided to do this lady's spiritual healing course. So I spent a year with her working on yourself while also learning spiritual healing and healing yourself. And I also went to the Corinthian church because although the course was very good and got your qualification, it was more about um sorting yourself out and the learning side but not much practical so the corinthian church enabled me to get lots of practical experience so i went there for a couple of years but this lady also taught kinesiology so i spent three years learning kinesiology with her two years crystal healing and then i still knew that i had issues with my dad and i had a conversation with couple of youngsters who said that they met a lady called Jeannie Rogers down near Banbury and that she was a shamanic healer and I'd been sort of getting into shamanism and reading about it and so I became quite interested so I, I rung her and went down for an appointment and it was an extremely interesting day it was an extremely interesting day um, I explained to her what had gone on in my life and then she'd done her shamanic journey and realized that my heart was struggling and so it felt for about five minutes that she had a red hot 12 inch knitting needle and was shoving it through my heart it was absolute agony mm. but then the pain went okay she also done three soul retrievals on me one to a young lady i was had as a girlfriend as i first joined the army but being young, immature and stupid, I'd stuff that up. She also knew that my, I had a soul part that I'd given to my dad and I had a part of his and we had to exchange it. And then unfortunately there was another soul part that was swimming out to sea at the moment. 
or at that moment, and it was the breakup of my marriage. Can I just come in at that point? Of course um, you can, Paul. Kev, yeah. Um, I just want to dig down a bit on that sort of conditioning from the army and that upbringing. Um, yes. And this is something that I can resonate very strongly with, and I do coin the phrase, big boys don't cry. I understand, uh, and it is the right word, conditioning that, you know, don't lose face in front of the enemy and stiff up a lip and, you know, hence the big boys don't cry. But even previous to the army, it was those age, that those days when, again, it was a stiff upper lip and you weren't, yep. blokes weren't supposed to show emotions and stuff like that. Yeah. For me, Kev, <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's very easy to say now as kind of two, dare I say, spiritual adults that got the benefit of that wisdom after all those years but when we look back at that, I mean, it's so obvious that what goes in must come out. Yes. And so there was that tension, that energy that was building up. Yes. That wasn't coming out. Yes, quite correct. Now, so I suppose my question was, although you didn't lose face or cry in front of the outside world, did you do that behind closed doors or did you keep that authenticity of, no, this is the way it is? No, I never released it at all. And right. it, it built up and built up and built up. And even, like I say, at my dad's death and funeral, I still didn't release the grief and the anger and all the other emotions that I'd felt over the years with my dad. Yeah. And so what's also struck me, um, Kev, that I want to dig down on, where you've referred to this knitting needle through the heart, and I've made a note there, a question mark, is that is that like a release of energy? So what I'm, I'm picturing there, I'm visualising there, rightly or wrongly, is all this toxic negative energy that's built up over all this time and I'll offer an analogy on that in a moment, hmm. but needed to be released. It is, Paul, but also the last part of Jeannie's healing was I knew that I needed to break the chain. Hmm. So my granddad and my dad were both in jobs where they were close to retirement, but they hated the jobs, but they had to go through till they got retired, and then they hoped to enjoy life. However, they were also both in dodgy marriages. Mm. And I was going through the same thing. Although I was working for Rolls-Royce and I was on a good wage and all the rest of it, I just felt that there was something else for me to do and Rolls-Royce was just like treading water. Yeah. Um, I was also going through a rocky phase in my marriage as well. And so at this point, Jeannie got me to journey to the upper world where I met a guy up there that looked like Jesus but wasn't. But he had a parchment, which I signed, and I gave him a pearl. And then on the, the proviso that in back when I came back to reality, I would give a pearl here. So I went down the local river and done a bit of a ceremony and threw the pearl in. And then I got back in my car to drive home, and I actually got pushed into the back of my car seat on the forehead on my third eye. And I went, ooh. That's strange, but because I don't do subtle, <laughs> they were letting me know that I'd fulfilled my kind of side of the contract and they were fulfilling theirs. Mm. And the heart thing was probably a bit hereditary from my parents and grandparents 
as well as the emotional stuff that I'd been through and where I'd all been holding it in and probably also from the relationship with that girlfriend and the wife breaking down and that as well and whatever else may have gone on. So yes, all that where I hadn't released it and gone through why or learnt the lessons from the things that I'd been through were all building up and they were making me ill and I knew they were making me ill and that's the other reason why obviously I realised that I needed to go to Jeannie to help to sort that out and to release it. So how did that leave you feeling? At the time it was a pretty weird experience um, especially doing her doing the soul retrievals and that for me it's quite an emotional thing when you do a soul retrieval either to experience it or do it on somebody else it's like you're bringing a part back that you've lost for years that's kind you, you know you've lost possibly but you know you're not complete and then somebody brings that back and it completes you and the emotion is just overwhelming in a nice way, in a positive way, because it normally changes people and helps them then to stand in their power and to be able to move forward in their life. And it, it doesn't matter whether it's like with me falling out with my father or it's grief or it's a major accident or whatever it might be, bringing these soul parts back. If you lose too many soul parts, you can start to go into substance abuse depression anxiety things like that if you lose further soul parts then you're possibly getting suicidal mm. psychosis that sort of thing so, so it's quite important to bring these soul parts back because it helps you to cope more in your life at the moment and gives you a bit of a buffer towards any fresh challenges that might be coming in you've got a bit of room there rather than these all piling up and driving you further down until you get to the point where you break so it's all about stopping you breaking. So how does that fit in then, Kev, with the concept of, of letting go and living in the moment? You know, what are the the uh, the concepts I use of about you know living living life to the full from that um, almost blank piece of paper without that past toxicity, negative energy, bad experiences? Because there aren't bad experiences in my book. There are experiences that we choose to give a meaning to, which could be bad. Okay, I have a bit of a take on this, and it's my belief, and I know others believe the same thing, that before we come here, when we're sitting upstairs with our guides and guardian angels, we write our story. We star in our film and we get the T-shirt. Hmm. And we say, yeah, okay, I want to experience that. Oh, yeah, I'll do that as well. That'll be easy. Oh, yeah, and I'll experience this and that. And by the time you finish, there's a whole heap of lists there. And you think, come to earth, that'll be easy. But unfortunately, we come here and we forget. We go through the veil. And then we start experiencing these things. And we're human. So we can get caught up in the drama. Mm. And it's the drama then that takes over. And obviously, society and people's ideals about us and things like that. Whereas... If we can step back from the drama and th try to think to ourselves, what did I agree to learn from this? Why did I want to experience this? And then when you start doing things like that, a lot of the drama goes away. It's, it's quite hard to get your head around. But once you start to learn the lessons 
and you start to release the emotions behind the drama, a lot of your aches and pains and illnesses and things like that will either go away or start to repair themselves. Because I firmly believe it's the things that you've been through, the emotions that you've suffered, are in 90% of cases the creations of your illness and not learning this lesson and moving forward. And so it's really important that you learn these lessons. And even where you get aches and pains in your body, it relates to certain emotions. Organs in your body relate to certain emotions. When you hear the old wives' tales or you get sick to your stomach or you haven't got the gall to do something or you have bladder problems, which means you're peed off with life, these sort of issues, heart, obviously getting a broken heart, somebody's broken it for you, you know what I mean? So mm. all of this is relevant, but unfortunately we dismiss it. Mm. But it's your body telling you that either learn the lesson or it's had enough. Yeah. While you, was, while you were speaking there, Kev, I just wrote something down, which um, I've put out there quite consistently, and it's this. And I use this concept, this image of a, of a boxer. Right. And I attach this caption, life's champions emerge because they learn to let go of the pain from the past, but not the lessons learnt. Is that something you could resonate with? Yes, I think I've met quite a few, well, a couple of boxers, and I met one recently, um, Big Joe Egan, and he had quite a hard life in Dublin that made him take up boxing it allowed him to release his aggression and stuff like that but because of the kind of life he led it also made him quite tough if you like and able to take pain and things like that and I he was kind of relating that when you go into the ring it allows you that regression to go but it also gives you a bit of a killer instinct because it's mm. either you or them mm. <clears throat> but in later life he had a bit of a an issue mental health issue uh, breakdown of his marriage and stuff like that and he realized then that all of this stuff that he prepared himself for through boxing and things like that was all just suppressing everything mm. and then this issue with his relationship and thing breaking down just tipped him over the edge and it ruined his boxing career and so now he's an advocate that's going out there and telling blokes and educating blokes to let go of the emotion, mm. to release it because it's going to make you ill. And and that's, yeah, I mean, you know, the risk of repeating, Kev, that's, I think, what I was saying. Life's champions emerge because they learn to let go of the pain from the past. Yes. I suppose it's what you was, when you was sort of started this this conversation off, Kev, about talking about, you know, that build-up of that negative energy and all this yep. confusion about your upbringing and that, insecurity that came around as you from your bullying uh, and all that stuff and then as I say you referred to that needle in the heart which I could almost see that this big build up of this almost like a pus filled heart which yes. is toxic it's negative it's horrible and somebody puts a hot needle in there and all this badness this negativity yes. just comes oozing out yes and that kind of frees us up doesn't it because you know, once we've got rid of that, and that's kind of what I'm saying here about life's champions, we're letting go of that pain. Yes. But we haven't forgot the lessons. We don't hang on to them. No. But it's like, okay, all those things I did that caused me to have that, for want of a better term, septic heart, it won't happen again 
because I've took the learning. So it's not been a wasted experience. No. It may happen again to test you to yes. make sure that you've learned the lesson. Absolutely. And if you don't learn the lesson, it keeps being presented to you and it ever gets worse yeah. until you do. Yeah. And then when you do, it's like a huge release. You've let all that baggage that you've been lugging around for years, yeah. you've left it on the platform and you're off, you're racing the train out of the station. Yeah. And you feel so lighter and so different. And like I say, yes, they may still give you, when I say may, I'm talking spirit, give you a lesson or bring it up again, another trigger, just to make sure that you have less learned it and you've released it and you've let it go. There may well be other lessons that then start to come up, but that's the idea of being here is to release all these lessons, to learn from them. Growth. Yeah, to grow, um, to increase your vibration if you want to look at it spiritually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's all about then also repairing your body. But if you refuse to learn the lessons, if you carry on the way you're going, at some point your body will break. It will say it's had enough. So you either have the breakdown or you break a leg or you get seriously ill or whatever it might mm. be. Mm. But your body is screaming at you, go and learn your lessons. Yep. Get well, release yep. it, let it go. Yeah. And why are you carrying all this baggage around from 10, 15, 20 years ago or whatever it is? You're not in it at the minute. So release it i know louise a particular has written quite a lot of books around this you know healing yourself yes. and as you say you know if you've got a backache i mean she actually in one of her books i think it's you can heal yourself or your body can heal itself um she's she's wrote that many of yes them. but something she gives this kind of table so if you've got earache it'll tell you the kind of the emotion that belongs to yeah, it what do you not want to hear yeah yes. you know and all this kind of and when you read it, it's actually so simplistic and logical. Yes. But as human beings, I think we've actually... There's a paradox here for me, Kev. We've been too busy surviving. We've actually lost the art of living. Yes. And also society and its pressures nowadays. Perhaps when I was a child, it was a lot easier. There wasn't a, as much as this monetary stuff going on and you had to have the best car and the biggest house and all this mm. sort of stuff and i believe that people were a lot happier kids were happier we used to go out and play yeah whereas nowadays you don't see sometimes that many kids going out and playing they're locked in their bedrooms playing fantasy games which is obviously not reality mm. um it's blocking them blocking themselves off from other people and socializing and then society wants us to do that as well because I think it's all about, in a lot of cases, divide and conquer, mm. which is why when you go to these big houses, states that are out of town, where they're all drive on, drive off, half the people don't even know their neighbours, let alone the rest of the street, whereas in the old days everybody knew everybody and everybody helped everybody and there was a huge sense of community and that doesn't seem to happen so much anymore. And, I mean, I'm going to ask you the question, Kev. I've got a very strong take on it. Um, in fact, I should have been doing a, I don't like the word should, but I, I was planned to do a podcast um, episode this morning with somebody around this very topic. And I thought, no, I'm actually going to defer that particular episode because I want to bring this 
content and these views into our conversation, having spoke with you, you know, initially off air yesterday. Okay. And it's around this that, well, let me ask you the question first before I come in with my take on things. But when we look at the way present day society is now, and we're talking, you know, two guys in the 50s having a conversation. Yep. Um, compared to what it was then. And that's only a comparison thing, so that doesn't make it right or wrong. But when we look at today's society, Kev, what, in your opinion, as, you know, to quote an old George Best saying, where did it all go wrong? I mean, why are we in this this phase of life, societal phase that, and I'm not just talking in our hometown of Nottingham or me in Spain, I'm on about throughout Europe, I'm on about through the world with yes. the many conversations I have with people around this globe. And we speak in the same language. People have just had enough, desperately had enough. Well, I think society and the people that are in control have kind of been breeding into us lots of fear. They've been trying to make us... <clears throat> go for, oh, you've got to be the best, you've got to have the most money and all that, which isn't really... I guess it does matter. You need money to live. You need a roof over your head and things like that. But they're not the be-all and end-all. Love is the be-all and end-all. And it's... If you love people, and you and I know it's hard sometimes, but you need to accept people for who they are. So if you have a nasty neighbour or something... You might, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, so it's no good being nasty back to them. It just makes them nastier. Mm. But you don't know why they were nasty in the first place. You don't know their story, what they've been through, Absolutely. what's happened to them. Absolutely. So maybe by showing them a little bit of kindness instead, you wake up a little glimmer in them. And so the next time he doesn't come out and moan at you because your bin's in the wrong place or your car's parked incorrectly, mm. he'll just say, could you move it? Which is obviously a foot forward and then a little maybe a bit later on you'll do the same thing again and slowly but surely you start to it's not about winning him round but you you get him to see that not everybody is as nasty as he thinks they are and that actually Kevin the nicest possible way I got quite excited just listening to because you you know the nicest possible way you stole my thunder there <laughs> because you summarized it perfectly thank you perfectly and that is that choice. And believe me, it is a choice between fear and love. Yes. And I think what's happened... But love is not the human love. It's universal love. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, that's probably another time, another day, that particular conversation, because obviously from this initial um, exploratory conversation around, you know, your journey from victim to warrior to spiritual warrior, we're kind of just, we're laying a foundation. Yes. Um, or we could go deep. Um, I'm just mindful that, you know, I want to kind of get as much insight and learning from you and your fascinating journey for the benefit of the listener uh, as we can in, 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 a, in a relatively short space of time. I'm happy to go with the flow, Paul, whatever you wish. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, these things kind of take care of themselves as they we do, know. They do, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Um, but just sort of building on that fear versus love um, angle, Kev. And, you know, with the, as you say, that going out there and that kind of compassion and that understanding, um, 
you know, because you don't know what that person's been through. No. You know, there's there's a saying, isn't there, that people do the best they can from their level of consciousness at that given moment in time. Yes, and not everybody's genuine either, because there are lots of people out there that believe that they're spiritual and so on and so on. And I'm not doubting whether they are or not. It's not my place to judge. But perhaps they're not as spiritual as they think they are. They may mm. talk it, but not walk it. And there's been a few cases where vicars have swapped churches or whatever, and the vicars, the new vicars, turned up and disguised himself as a tramp and sat outside his own church begging. And the parishioners going in have been scorning him and giving him a hard time and things like that. And then they've gone into the church expecting this service, and then this tramp has come in and got in the pulpit and shamed them all because of their the way that they've reacted to him. And so they can go to church every Sunday, but it doesn't mean to say that you're spiritual or you're loving. That's I'm smiling at that, Kev, when you when you're telling us about that because um, in one of my books I referred to um, a guy that I've known for many years, and it's fair to say that over those years um, he's collected of lot of society's labels. He's been in and out from a very early age. He was in and out of bore stools, approved schools, and then prisons, okay. and all that kind of thing, and then a life of addiction, etc., etc. And he said something to me one day. His nickname for me was Psycho, and that was going back to our younger days. And he said, Psycho, he said, you're an educated man, which some of my actions over the years actually would dispel that, that theory. And he said, do you know that old saying? All that glitters is gold. I said, yeah. So could it be then, all that doesn't glitter could be gold as well? So what do you mean, John? He said, well, what I mean by that is, all that glitters is not gold. So to put it in your context, Kev, the guy that's, oh, yes, I do this, I do that. Look at me, everybody. Aren't I good? Because... Look at me, I'm all over Facebook because I give this, I do this for charity and I've just yes. bought that guy that's homeless a cup of coffee. Now let's take a selfie because I can tell you, world, how good I am then. But that's coming from your ego, isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely. You're doing it, it for is. the wrong reasons. Absolutely. But the point is so that gold, all that glitters, look at me, is not actually gold. No. So, surely, if that's the case, the opposite could apply. That Quite what right. on the surface of it, i.e. the you know the guy that's sitting outside the the church that people think he's homeless, dishevelled, whatever. Well, just be careful with the label you give him or her. Correct. Because that gold that's not glittering actually is gold. And again, you don't know their story. The reason no. they may be there is they may have suffered grief. Perhaps they've lost a child or something like that. Therefore, their marriage has broken down. Yeah. They started drinking because they couldn't handle that grief and the lesson that was behind it. And then they've lost their job, so they've lost their house, and so they've ended up on the street. And that could happen to anyone. Thin lines. And why should they be labelled then as total rubbish and thrown out when all they perhaps need is a bit of love and a bit of guidance and a yeah. bit of help to get them back onto the path? Yeah. And then to repair whatever it is that they may have done, learn the lesson, move on, yeah. and become the new person that probably is going to be more loving and more respectful 
and more open to all these other people that they see on the streets. And you hear it all the time that there's people now that are, are running charities to help people on the streets because they were once on the street. Mm. I read somewhere the other day somebody's started a company up and the only people he will employ are people from the streets. Yeah. Because he wants to give them a chance and he wants to pay back. And that's the true spiritual people. And they ask and they don't seek. I mean, they are, you know, how I say they are, it sounds a little bit patronising, but, you know, that as that kind of, that concept of these unsung heroes, for want yes. of a better phrase, is, you know, they they just do what they do. And that, for me, there's a, there's a, there's a word that's flying around in, in the personal development industry these days, Kevin, isn't they, about authenticity. And I'm sick of hearing that word. Yeah, I am as I'm well. I'm sick of hearing it. It's a buzzword. who can define what, authenticity is authenticity for me if you want to use that word is about being you yeah and acknowledging you and your emotions and being the best you possible one of the sayings that i like and i try to live my life by is the pagan saying that do as you want or do as you will but harm none mm but it's the harm none that you've really got to think about because a negative thought about somebody or not opening the door for somebody or whatever is harming people. Mm. Let alone doing the bigger things like murder and stuff like that. But it's those little things that you really need to think about and and harming people. And words have power. Thoughts have power. And if you're sending them at somebody then that negativity can stick and it can make people ill. Yeah. But people don't realise this. And also, whatever it is that you're putting out there, if you're full of hate um, and lack of love and stuff like that, that's all you're going to get back. Absolutely. It's the law of attraction. If you put out love and positivity, and yes, you can't be positive all the time, we're humans, but the more you put that out, the more you attract that. So even going out in the morning or walking up the high street and you see somebody, maybe you know them, you just say, oh, you look beautiful today or you look this or that. And it's just such a simple thing to do, but it boosts them. And then they might go to somebody else and say, oh, I like that dress or I like your shoes. And they go and do it. And it's a knock-on effect. And the next minute, you know, it's snowballing. And you've made, from talking to one person, you could have made 100 people happy that day. Yeah. When you were speaking there, Kev, what um, what went through my mind when you were t- talking about beliefs and thoughts and all that is Gandhi's famous saying about our beliefs influence our thoughts. Yes. Our thoughts influence our words. Our words influence our actions. And our actions ultimately define our results. Correct. So just be, and I do quite a lot, you know, as, as listeners know, very strong and focused around our beliefs. Where do they come from? You know, and challenging them, self-challenging. Yes. Just because you've inherited that belief from, you know... Parents uh, or school you know, or whatever. Wherever. Yeah. These people in inverted commas, authority. Well, it goes back to that saying, you know, no doubt that most parents, as our guiding lights, are to, uh, you know normally not always but normally at an early age you know there again they've done the best from their level of understanding of course that didn't make it right it didn't make it wrong it made it the truth yes and their beliefs may not be correct absolutely but it's what they believed in so you can't knock them for their beliefs 
and like you say, they were doing the best that they can with the resources that they had. Mm. So you have to respect their beliefs, but if you believe them to be incorrect, then you have to go with your new beliefs, but don't disrespect and give them a hard time because they're wrong, because who's to say your new beliefs are correct? And this is why I believe personally now, I've been, you know, worked on this and, and you know, done a lot of research and, and, and arguably far more importantly, Kev, what do I feel in there? Yes. Not just words that I can put out in a fancy marketing context to acquire sales, but what do I truly believe in? What holds water? What's held water in my life? And so I often think that, you know, if I had a young child now, I mean, my oldest is what, mid 30s. Um, but if I had a young child, how would I influence that the upbringing of that young boy or that young girl, that young child? And it's very simple. And we've already touched on it. I would give that child so much love. And that would be the foundation. In terms of beliefs and values, I would inspire them and encourage them to test the world. Yes, yes, I could give them some starters, some stabilizers on the bike. Yes. But the real solid foundation that they'll carry with them, period, through the rest is that love. Yes. The rest is go and find your truth now because you've got the confidence, you've got the security of knowing you're loved, you're yep. cared for. Now go and find your truth. And I think that's as, you know, as teachers, as parents, um, that's our responsibility to help to help people grow, and not necessarily just our children either. I found that in martial arts, because you would get somebody as a beginner and then take them up, hopefully, to black belt level, and especially if they were younger than you, and they might be able to, they would be fitter eventually and maybe be able to do things better than you could as the black belt teacher, whereas a lot of people... Would then the teachers would say, "Oh, you've got to leave now because you're as good as or better than me." It's not about that. It's about coaching them to a level, and if you've really done a good job at coaching, they should become better than you, yeah, and be able to move on and go and teach others and raise their standards and standards and it goes on and on. It's not about ego that you or oh, you can't do that because you're better than me now. Or I've seen it sometimes in martial arts groups where the guy is better than the instructor, so the instructor gives him a good idea to knock him back down again, which mm. is just not on. Mm. It's not what life's about. No, it's not. It's about building, it's about embracing that, you know, for me, that positive power of that emotion, which we know as love, yes. and spreading that. You know, people say to me sometimes, particularly from the backyard I come from, which was very, very stark, very confrontational, very aggressive, and all that, and it's like, Paul, you've gone soft now. You've gone soft in the head. It's not being soft, I, though. No, I haven't. No. You don't understand. I've actually become a million times stronger yes. because I recognise my human frailty, my vulnerability. Yep. But what I can do, and you'll know this better than most, Kev, as a, as a martial arts um, exponent and expert, I can dance with your energy. Yes. So if you give me something that's negative, I will deflect it and yep. it will come back to you. Yes. We don't necessarily send it back, though, because that's not showing love either. But if some of it happens to get accidentally deflected back at the person that sends it, well, then fair enough, they shouldn't have sent it in the first place. Yeah. But yes, I understand what you're saying, that if somebody's directing negative energies or thoughts at you, 
you can deflect them off yeah and release them and let them go so they don't actually do any harm to you yeah i kind of disagree a little bit with sending them back because then we're doing harm to them mm. but yes I understand the principle of what you're, it is you're trying to put across there, yeah. Maybe my ego was allowed to flirt a little bit too much <laughs> Maybe some old habits die hard. Yeah. Uh, yes, Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Okay. <clears throat> so tell us, um, you know, you've kind of um, alluded a little bit, uh, Kev, to, you know, your background in terms of a spiritual dimension. So um, just give us a little bit of an insight into the, the kind of work that you do now. Okay. I mainly predominantly have female clients, which is not to say that I don't help males as well. Um, most of them have been abused in some way or another, including my males. I've had one that was gang raped in the Navy, believe it or not. I've had another one who was date raped, with drug raped. Um, so it does happen to blokes, but unfortunately, blokes don't like to say it's happened to them because mm. the stiff upper lip and the pride thing yeah. and all that again. Yeah. And if again, if they bottle it up, it makes them ill. <clears throat> but predominantly, it's it, it's people that have, and some people believe it or not, when they're upstairs, the lessons they want to learn are quite severe. So they're experiencing rape, physical, mental, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, that sort of thing. And they're the sort of people that start to come to me and sometimes they're coming because it's a last resort. They've tried all the normal methods and they've not been able to help them. And so they think, well, let's go and see this weirdo who does shamanic healing and kinesiology and stuff. And it's all about getting their power back. Mm doing the soul retrievals to give them the uh, their own tools and confidence and love to be able to fix and heal themselves. We don't heal anybody. All we do is set you back on the path and guide you towards your own healing, Yeah, help you to realize the lessons. Yes, there may be a few physical fixes with kinesiology or whatever, but mm. it's your body yeah. that wants to be well and wants to fix itself but you have to realise the lessons and release the emotions first to allow your body to do that. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. So how can people that's listening to this podcast, uh, Kev, how can they follow up? How can they find you? More about you, your work. Have you got a website? Have you got a- I have got a website, um, www.connectivetherapies.co.uk. I'm on Facebook under Connective Therapies. And you can also use my personal page, Kev Bailey. On, the, on Facebook as well. If you want to ring me, f- feel free. My phone number's on my website. Yeah. If you just want to talk, talk. Fantastic. Talking's free. I've I've certainly enjoyed this because what I've felt, uh, Kev, I mean, obviously, you know, just for the benefit of the listeners, um, this relationship is very, very much in its infancy. And myself and Kevin were... Um, coincided that's a word that uh, I attribute to Karen now if she uh, if she's listening that um, you know our paths have crossed you know there's no coincidence as Kev no. said earlier on but what there is is coincidences yes and what's happened Kev for me is our energies have coincided yeah to to the point where you know I'm certainly very very grateful for having this conversation I feel a connection I understand 
I believe what what it is you're trying to do and and you know the the energy and the love and the genuine compassion that's out there yes. and I think you know for more sort of spiritual warriors if I can be allowed to to use that term the world will definitely be a better place well Paul I've really enjoyed the interview as well and enjoyed your company and hopefully your listeners can learn stuff from this and move forward themselves and even if it's the bloke out there that up until now hasn't gone to seek help go and seek help release whatever it is that's messing you up yeah go to counseling go and see somebody like me go and see whoever a reiki practitioner whatever but start to release that emotion before it ruins you yeah absolutely and i think on those very very wise and practical words from <clears throat> kev um listeners there's nothing more to say so so be safe but be loving more than anything hearts helping everyone achieve results towards success.